Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Mr. Patrick Cantini. Mr. Cantini is the Director of Scientific Alliances with the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine, and I asked him to join us for this podcast to talk about some recently concluded studies on the use of extracellular matrix and tissue engineering to restore muscle loss in the extremities. Now, Mr. Cantini, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you, John. So... In terms of my opening comments, uh, I made reference to the muscle loss regeneration. I know there's been a whole partnership of different scientists and clinicians involved in this, but perhaps the place to begin is just to give a brief overview of the study. The study began about four and a half years ago in a partnership with the Office of Technology Transition as part of the Department of Defense. The title of the program is called Limb Salvage and Regenerative Medicine. And that program actually had eight separate tasks associated with it, eight separate projects. One of those projects was the muscle regeneration study that was conducted here at the University of Pittsburgh under the guidance of Dr. Steve Badalak and Dr. Peter Rubin. That study has now concluded from the recruitment phase, but we continue to treat the subjects in their post-operative PT state. So what were the criteria for inclusion in the study? The general criteria were more than 25% muscle loss, six months out from injury, and obviously there was other types of medical ailments that had to be admitted before being accepted into this trial. We screened over 500 subjects to participate in this trial and, and to date have treated 13. So it has been a very difficult, challenging screening process to find those subjects that this technology would appropriately impact in a positive way. I should stress that from my understanding, this was muscle loss in the extremities only. Is that correct? That's correct. So upper and lower extremity areas. So I know some of this work was published in Science Translational Medicine. Perhaps you could do a brief synopsis of the findings, at least from that part of the study. The publication featured the first five subject results. All were were extremely favorable in rebuilding lost or damaged muscle within their extremities. Our patients actually saw improvements from not being able to walk without assistance to actually bike riding again, playing basketball, running, some extreme improvements on their quality of life. And I can say from a programmatic perspective that all of our patients that we treated thus far are seeing improvement in their uh, function and strength of their particular muscle that was treated, whether that be the upper or lower extremity. So I seem to recall that this particular therapeutic procedure had two important parts to it. One was the the use of this uh, extracellular matrix, but There was also a requirement for a very specific and very rigorous rehabilitation program that went with it. That's correct. So both a a preoperative and postoperative physical therapy program was an integral part of this and absolutely critical to the successful outcome of this particular procedure. So our subjects were evaluated by our physical therapists here under the direction of uh, Dr. Michael Boninger, and then they were put to exercise and maximize 
the potential outcome of a particular area. At that point, within two weeks, the, the surgical procedure had taken place. And immediately upon surgery, typically within 24 hours, the subjects were back into some type of a PT program, which could last for up to six months after the surgery. So both the preoperative and the postoperative physical therapy regimens were critical to the successful outcome of our subjects. So I guess everyone would expect that physical therapy and rehabilitation is a part of such a program, but what's intriguing to me is that, as I understand the, the formation of new tissue from the, the tissue-engineered scaffold, that in fact if you don't teach the newly forming muscle what it's supposed to do, it doesn't turn out to be a functional tissue. That's correct, and it would, it would just possibly inflame and, and cause infection. So it's critical to get those subjects moving right away and train that particular tissue properly so that it, it integrates well within the body and does so in an expeditious manner. You said a moment ago that the particular study is in the wind-down phase. You're not recruiting new patients. What's the next step in terms of this technology? Are other clinicians going to uh, adopt it, or do we know yet? The study itself has concluded with the Department of Defense. It ended on September 30th of 2014. But we continue to do post-operative follow-up with our subjects to follow them through to completion. And thanks to our corporate supporters for that, we're able to do so. The study itself, we would like to continue it using other resources. So Dr. Rubin and Dr. Badalak are exploring other funding opportunities to, to keep this impactful research moving forward and to hopefully make an impact on more soldiers and more civilians' lives down the road. We believe that the results from the first 13 subjects are wonderful results, but it really can be an impactful technology to uh, implement and to train other institutions on how to uh, surgically repair and to rehabilitate these folks that are affected by this these severe injuries. The devices themselves that we used are FDA-approved devices. So it's not as if we are uh, creating something here and, and having it used on a FDA exemption basis. These are approved devices that can be implanted with the regulatory approvals from the local institutions. So, Patrick, I uh, seem to recall that part of the overall initiative was to train physicians and particularly some other military facilities so they could perform this type of procedure as well. What's the status of that? So that teaching compendium does exist. We've actually trained several surgeons and physical therapists and nurses, etc., on the procedure at a few of the military medical hospitals across the United States. And that procedures and techniques and the regulatory aspects of it, that's all has been prepared and is available to someone who may be interested in taking on this, this challenge and treating additional victims. So I understand that the clinical study is concluded, but I presume that uh, Dr. Rubin and his clinical colleagues would accept cases uh, on a regular basis rather than on a clinical trial? Absolutely. In fact, we are reviewing a couple cases now that would be covered under third-party payers. Since it is an FDA-approved device and we have the regulatory approvals here at the university, we're absolutely able to do so given that if the subjects have that ability to be treated. 
So this is certainly very promising, and uh, I congratulate you and all your collaborators in the course of uh, accomplishing the milestones that you've shared with us. For someone that needs further information or wants to explore this in more detail, how do they get in touch? Well, they can contact me directly. I can be reached at cantinip at upmc.edu or by telephone at 412-624-5209. Or you can visit the clinical website that's been established for our clinical trials, and that is www.upmc/restore. Well, thank you very much for sharing these results. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us. I welcome suggestions in terms of topics to address. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. Thank you again.